Hello and welcome back to the Uncensored CMO. Now it's the summer holidays and that means everybody's taking a well-earned break from all their hard work and that includes the Uncensored CMO. But producer James never wants to let me off and he said, "Why before you go away, why don't you just do a quick podcast of your own? So I thought, why not do a little bonus episode? So it got me thinking, what subject do I know a little bit about that might be useful to my listeners and uh, this is where I have to put my system one hat back on because what we do I would argue better than anybody else is advise people on how to make advertising that works and uh, we like to frame that as how to make a five-star ad so I thought I'd share a little bit about that in this special edition episode I get asked on LinkedIn quite a lot to give the evidence for why emotion and advertising matters and how I can prove it so I thought I'd cover some of that and some of the tips that we give all our customers on how to make advertising that actually works so without further ado here is my episode talking to myself about how to make a five-star ad hope you enjoy Hello, everybody. This is John. So in a rather strange twist here, I need to welcome myself to the show. So welcome, John. It's lovely to have you on the show. Good to be here. Anyway, as I said in my introduction, producer James set me the little challenge of doing a bonus episode while I'm away on holiday. My day job for anyone that's listened to the show for a while will know that I work for System One and we measure the effectiveness of advertising, innovation and brand activity. And uh, we've developed that art over many, many years and we've built up a really impressive body of evidence for why for how to predict the impact that advertising is going to have now why is this important so maybe let's start there well i don't know if you know this but 1.7 trillion pounds is spent every year on marketing worldwide and of that around 1 trillion is on advertising it is a massive massive market there's a lot of money spent Now, do you know how much of that is wasted? I think you could probably guess because there is a famous quote, John Wanamaker, which actually this year is 100 years since he sadly passed away. But he said the famous quote, half my advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the good news is, ladies and gentlemen, that System One do know which half because we actually measure every advert that airs in the UK and in the US. And the actual answer to the question is 48%. So 48% of the ads that we test, we predict will have no lasting effects on the brand. So bless his cottons, John Wanamaker actually was pretty accurate over 100 years ago without the benefit of all our marketing science and data and effectiveness tracking. So um, there you go. Not a lot has improved over that time. Um, A few other statistics I think you might find interesting. According to Nielsen, 50% of the campaign effect is down to the creative itself. So we know that creative is very important. Now, if you listen to my uh, conversation with Mark Ritson, you'll know that we're all talking about the pipe, but no one's talking about what we're putting through the pipe. And that's where System 1 comes in. He also actually quotes data to decisions. Now, they did a really impressive piece of work looking at the different elements that contribute to a brand's success. And they rank them and they put them in order. Now, what's interesting is creativity comes in at number two number one in fact interestingly is the size of your brand now i don't know about you but i think the size of your brand is an output of all the marketing you do and therefore doesn't really constitute a criteria for number one spot in terms of what determines effectiveness because effectively size of your brand is what it is what we're all trying to do as marketers is change the size of our brand so in effect if you buy my buy my logic then creativity is the most potent an important tool in your arsenal to change the future direction of your brand. So it makes it very, very important. 
Now, good students of Burnett and Field will also know that according to their study of the IPA database, emotional campaigns outperform rational campaigns. And that's very much what we find at System 1. So a quick introduction just to System 1 so you know a little bit about who we are. And apologies for the you know blatant plug here, but we originally started 20 years ago as Brain Juicer, founded by a wonderful inspirational guy called John Kieran, who really led so much innovation in the world of research and used behavioral science to uncover what we really think. One of my favorite phrases that he always uses is, we think less than we think we think that the more we feel, the more we buy. And that's so true. I mean, if you think about it, we make so many decisions based on how it feels, not necessarily on how rational it is. In fact, we often use how rational it is to post-rationalize the decision we wanted to make all along. And that if you've read Daniel Kahneman, you've read his book, Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, about how the mind works, you'll understand that analogy that our system one instinctively makes decisions. It works very, very fast. And our system two typically post-rationalizes it. Rory Sutherland, in fact, uh, came up with a, a lovely quote, which is, if system one is the Oval Office, system two is the press office. And I think that's a perfect analogy for how it works. Daniel Kahneman said himself that actually in, you know, the answer to a complicated question, what do I think about it, can be answered by a much easier question, how do I feel about it? Now, basically, what we've done at System 1 over many, many years is we've perfected the art of asking people how they feel, which emotion, why the emotion, what the association gets created, all in a spontaneous kind of way under time pressure. And the reason we do that is because we want to find out instinctively what people feel. We don't want to sort of drill them too hard and force their system two to do too much work because it's our system one that's making all the decisions. Now, we've been doing that for 20 years and my colleague, Orlando Wood, yeah, hopefully you've heard his, his uh, interviews on this podcast already, has written two absolutely groundbreaking books on the subject of creative effectiveness. First one in 2019, launched by the IPA, F Work, was called Lemon. And it, re it used the work of a psychiatrist, psychiatrist sorry, called Ian McGilchrist. Now, Ian McGilchrist has done some groundbreaking work on how the hemispheres of the brain work together it is really really powerful stuff but what Orlando does is combine that work with the work the system one have been doing testing and predicting the impact of advertising and he pulls it together to show actually how our narrow beam attention and broad beam attention work differently so in the left hand side of our brain we're more focused on you know honing in on detail tasks we, we you know we, we we look you know abstract things very kind of rhythmic and so on the right hand side of our brain contrary to that is much more concerned with the world around it's concerned with people stories music uh, it gets context humor it picks up on accents and things like that so the, the right and left hemispheres of the brain operate in different ways. And what Orlando brilliantly does, and you have to read the book. I mean, certainly listen to the podcast I'm talking about, but please, please do buy the book. It, it's exceptional. Is show how actually advertising works by appealing to either the left or right hand side of the brain. Now, once you see it, I promise you, you can never really unsee it because Orlando brilliantly shows in detail the features of advertising. So the left-hand brain would be lots of words on the screen, lots of fast scenes, lots of cut-up things, rhythmic soundtracks. And once you notice that style of advertising, you see it again and again and again. You see it on every format, you see it repeated, and it really is trying to grab your attention and convert you. 
Now, brand building advertising, on the other hand, works differently. It's more storytelling. It's emotional. It brings you on a journey. You see characters. They're interacting. Orlando describes it as betweenness between people. And they all often use what uh, Orlando would call fluent devices, sort of characters or repeating scenarios like should have gone to Specsavers or the meerkats that pop up again and again. And these features of advertising are highly, highly effective. In fact, what Orlando shows is they're very effective over the long run in building long-term brand building and leading to market share gain. Now, the real shock of this is, though, is that that style of advertising has been on the decline. In fact, just like Peter Field's work on the crisis in creativity that he did three or four years ago, Orlando traces the very, very same switch from right brain advertising, brand building, we might call it, through to more left brain activation type advertising. And in his book, Lemon, you'll see that perfectly laid out. Now, Orlando updated the book with you know far more uh, of uh, latest work, looking at digital, looking at uh, lots of other things as well. In his recent book, Look Out, which is an absolute masterpiece, if you thought Lemon was good, you really do need to get Look Out. Now, I, maybe you're wondering why is all this important? Well, the reason it's important is because if, like me, you've been a marketer on the client side, and I've spent a long time making advertising in my career. In fact, this is the first time I've ever worked in an agency. It's the first time I actually worked in research. But I've spent a career 25 years or so, you know, being in being in a position responsible for the creation of advertising and being responsible, being accountable for its results. Now, there's a real challenge that comes in here is before you spend the money, how do you know it's going to work? Now, I'll tell you a little story, actually. And anyone who's listened to podcasts may have heard me tell the story before. But for a couple of years, I was the marketing director at LucasAid Ribena Suntory. And the biggest brand we had in our portfolio was LucasAid Energy. Now, unfortunately for me, I, I, I joined it at rather a bad time because we were going through the UK introduction of sugar tax. It meant we had to reformulate LucasAid. And when we launched it back on the market, unfortunately, we had quite a significant backlash. In fact, we lost something in the order of 20% of our buyers in a 12-week period. We had to obviously to react and we had to react very decisively. And so one thing we decided to do was relaunch the brand with a brand new platform, a new creative campaign. And, and the most significant investment, I won't talk numbers, but the most significant investment the brand has ever seen in its history. Now, the challenge I got from Peter, the CEO, quite rightly, to be honest, given you know the financial pressure we're under is I want you to prove that the money is going gonna, is gonna to be well spent before I sign it off. Now, I've worked in marketing a long time. You, you know, you really can't predict everything. It's as much of an art as it is a science. And I don't think I've ever been in a position where I can accurately predict how an ad campaign is going to work in advance. However, I had something like eight weeks, me and the team. At this point, I must give massive credit to Stephen and Kay, who led the, uh, led the energy brand team and did a brilliant job in conjunction with Gray Advertising to come up with a new platform. Caroline Pay led the, led the creative work and came up with, I think, one of the best platforms I've ever seen, which was Energy Beats Everything based on a brilliant insight of the fact that without energy, we can't really achieve anything. It doesn't matter how talented you are. Unless you put energy into something, you're never really going to achieve greatness. And as we all know from the underdog story, actually, you know, excess amounts of energy can overcome almost any obstacle, which is perfectly dramatized by the famous biblical story of David and Goliath, which actually we brought to life in our campaign. However, I'm getting slightly off track here because go back to the original question I got from our CEO, Peter. He says to me, before I give you the money, and we're talking big money here, 
I want you to prove to me this is going to work. Now, I remembered meeting John Kieran, the founder I told you about earlier on from System One, and we were both we both found ourselves on a business school together over a few years over at Ashridge. And I remember him talking about the fact that behavioral science can predict in advance how we're going to behave. And I remembered this. So I got John and the System One team, they were rebranding from Brain Juice at the time, to come in and talk to the board about how System One could predict the effectiveness of advertising. And it absolutely changed the game for us because what he and the System One team were able to do is use the, the System One test your ad methodology to predict how people were going to behave in real life. And actually, you, to the extent to which they were willing to guarantee or certainly predict a market share improvement for the A brand. Now, that is game changing because before you spend, you know, we're talking tens of millions here, before you spend a lot of money on advertising you want to know it's going to have an effect and you want to know the effect in the short term and also in the long term and this is where the test came in now what i found was it was brilliant because it was very quick so the test happened in 24 hours it was very predictive and it was also very easy to understand what you had to do differently so it suddenly made working with gray much easier because we're able to quickly test ideas improve them and decide which routes to go down but most importantly i was able to go back and talk to you know talk to my colleagues about signing off the money now i think i had one of the best meetings ever where our cfo actually said to the rest of the team i want everyone else to look at how you can save money so we can make sure we protect the money john's going to spend on his new campaign because i'd given the evidence for what the campaign was going to do to the brand and this is the rub because actually system one although you might think is all about how you make creative better and of course we do that what it really is magical for is giving the justification for why you should invest in great creativity. If you like, it's the left brain justification for the right brain or the system two justification for system one or the kind of, I suppose, a rational case for emotion, if you like. And it really is quite powerful and it allows you to make big decisions with confidence. So it gives confidence to the brand owner. So that was the campaign that really impressed me about System One. In fact, it impressed me so much that a couple of years later, I actually went to join the company. So there you go. That must be one of the best endorsements possible. Now, what else did I learn actually in my time at Lucas Brabina Suntory? Well, one of the other things I learned actually about advertising effectiveness was the importance of fluent devices. I don't know if you know this, but Ribena is particularly famous for black currants. But we actually tested an outdoor campaign, which you may have seen called You Can't Get More Ribenery. And it was a beautifully simple campaign. You know, British, a British summer scene, lots of grass, bottle of Ribena, huge, you know, giant exaggerated black currants to you know, represent the flavor and fruitiness and a summer scene and a rainbow. And you can't get more Ribenery as the tagline. Now, in, in some senses, maybe a bit unsophisticated. Certainly it was very familiar. We'd used something similar for many years before that. But you know what? When we tested it with System 1, it scored the highest ever score on the System 1 out of home test. It got a 5.6 star. I didn't know you get over a 5 star. We have a 5 star scale. It actually got 5.6 star. The scale runs out at 5.9. And it was actually the fourth most distinctive asset that the System 1 team had ever tested. So that Ribena Berry, quite a simple device, right? That berry is so symbolic of Ribena that you just see that berry and people immediately think Ribena. That's the power 
of what Orlando would call a fluent device. And it's something that grows over many, many years. You build an association with it and it becomes a really powerful asset for your brand. You know, it's something that Byron Sharp would refer to and how brands grow as a distinctive asset. And it's very, very important to a brand to use it, keep it and, and develop it because it's basically like a shortcut. So as soon as you see that, like if you see a meerkat in a film, you know, in a TV ad, you immediately know what it is you're looking at. And it immediately also brings a lot of associations to your mind which help to navigate you to the categories. So in the case of Ribena, you see the berry, you think fruit drinks, you think refreshment, you think fruitiness, you think Ribena. So it does a very, very important job. And as I say, that campaign was the best campaign out of home that they would ever tested. So that's impressive. But I suppose the question is, how do you make a five-star ad? So I had the five-star ad on Ribena. I've since worked system one for the last three years. We've worked with Audi, you know, helping them make Kevin the Carrot, who the most successful Christmas campaign of last year. We've also worked with Sam Adams at Boston Beer. They made the best Super Bowl out of last year. So we, we've, we have helped the most successful brand owners both in the US and UK make their ads. Now, we've worked with them from the very beginning. So when they're kind of creating the script through to the animatic, through to pre-production, post-production, working each step in the process to optimize how the creative comes across and make sure that it delivers. Now, what we know from doing that, and we've done this thousands of times, and we've now got a database of 80,000 ads, is there are five things. So this is, this is like the secret source. So there are five things we know that make a five-star ad, and they are these. So I'm literally telling you, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, these are the crown jewels. These are things you have to do if you want to make a five-star ad. Now, Firstly, before I say that, just to let you know, what does a one to five star ad mean? Well, basically what Orlando Wood did is working with the IPA using the same database as Les and Peter used for the long and the short of it. He worked out which emotions predict behavior. Now, you know, each each campaign elicits different types of emotions at different strengths and so on. So you might make people laugh. You might make them cry. You might make them feel sad. You might make them feel happy. You may make them feel nothing, which actually quite a lot of advertising leaves people feeling nothing. But what Orlando did brilliantly is he understood looking at the award-winning campaigns which emotions correlated to market share gain. He weighted those emotions and then he used it to create a prediction. So by testing for emotion, measuring the intensity of emotion, measuring the associations, the reasons for emotion, all these things, we basically come up with a star rating. Now that star rating predicts one star means no impact at all on market share. So that's 48% of all ads nothing so no impact on market share up to a five star where we see on average a three percent improvement in share of market now let me explain this to you because this is really important now if you studied marketing science or you've read long or short of it you'll know this concept of esov esov stands for extra share of voice now the model goes that for every 10% excess share of voice. If you've got 10% share of voice, you've got 10% share of market, sorry, and you go for 20% share of voice, that's a 10% extra share of voice. That equates to about a half a percent share on average. And that's a very sort of well-known kind of rule in marketing. But that doesn't take into account the creative quality. It assumes all creative is the same. Now, what we've been able to do is work out that the correlation when you include creative basically doubles so we've looked at i think up to now about 250 different brands in different categories looked at the correlation between media spend and market share it's around 0.33 
When you include creative quality, as, des as defined by star rating, in terms of the emotional power of the ad, it amplifies the predictive nature up to about 0.66. Now, in some categories, we've tested it's over 0.8. Now, it varies by category, varies a bit by brand, but in every single study we've done, every study, adding creative quality to media spend increases the predictability of your campaign. Basically, it tells us what we already know. Creative matters. It matters that you connect emotionally with your audience. Now, I'm sure it's something your grand could have told you, but it's nice to have the evidence that actually that does work. And in fact, back to my Nielsen quote at the beginning, it roughly doubles the predictability of your campaign. So it's at least half the job it, for you is not just your media buy and how many people can you reach, but the quality of message that you reach them with. Anyway, I'll get back to what I was talking about. Now, what we've worked out is there are five things that correlate directly to performance, creative performance. First thing, unsurprisingly, because it's system one, is emotion. It matters a great deal which emotion you elicit. Now, it varies depending on if it's long and short term. Okay, so what you're looking for is the most powerful emotion is happiness. Unsurprisingly, in the long term, the brands that we feel a greater happiness towards, we're more likely to buy. We feel more comfortable. We feel more positive toward buying them, recommending that brand, and they, they sit longer in the memory over the long term. So happiness is important. Next most important emotion is surprise. Surprise is very powerful. It captures our attention. It, it brings things to mind. Now, of course, the main emotion in most ads we test is neutrality. So actually, the, the first thing you've got to do is use emotion. So, you know, make sure that you're using emotion well. So much, so much advertising now loses emotion because it's basically full of functional messages, lots of fast cut scenes, lots of voiceover, lots of words, and you lose the emotion entirely. So first thing you've got to do, get emotion. Second, and no, by the way, actually just on that, it, it really matters if it's long-term or short-term. So what we know from system one is long-term, happiness wins, and it's about leaving people with a happiness at the end and feeling good about the brand. That's what's most likely to make you remembered in the long term. Short term, it's more about the intensity of emotion. It doesn't matter as much which emotion it is. You're trying to get people to act and trying to get them to respond. So that's like a charity ad that uses negative emotion. It's trying to drive behavior, create short term action. So we see that a lot. Short term performance campaigns, very much about stirring emotion. In fact, can line winners, classic case, they used to be brand building, they're now activation. You see that time and time again, much more cause related, more purpose led, using negative emotion as a primary driver to create response. And that's a very short term tactic. And we're seeing that in the scores that have radically changed in the last few years for can line winners. Okay, number one, emotion, start there. Number two is story arc. How you tell a story is incredibly important. Incredibly important. At the end of the day, we are storytelling creatures, aren't we? We love to tell stories. Stories are the way in which we remember things. We pass on messages. We warn people. We entertain people. Stories are so important. And how you tell the story is really important as well. Now, it, you can have negative emotion. You need jeopardy. You know, you need something. You need some tension in a story. But it's important not to have too much. And it's important that, that negative tension is resolved at the end. So, if we go back a couple of years to one of the most famous Christmas ads, Excitable Edgar from John Lewis, that ad was brilliant because you had this lovable character in the dragon 
but got into trouble, burnt half the village down, but actually ended happily when he managed to control the fire at the end and used it for good to, you know, to light the, light the Christmas, you know, Christmas cake at the end and entertain the entire village. That's a classic story arc. So it starts, starts with a, starts with lots of happiness, starts with surprise, brings in some jeopardy. You've got some tension, but then it resolves at the end and it has a peak ending. And a peak ending is something really important about any advertising. You want to leave people feeling good. And this is something that everyone gets wrong. The, the weight between the negative tension and the positive resolution is so often the wrong way around that brands spend 90% of their time dramatizing the negative with, with a twist at the end when they should be doing the opposite. So, you know, you should start with, you know, bring the negative tension in early, resolve it, and keep resolving it, keep peaking, keep ending on a high, because actually negative emotion sticks around far more than positive emotions. You need to work much harder on getting the balance right. So there are classic story arcs, but basically think carefully about how you tell the story and how you end on a high and how you bring people on your journey. The third thing is characters. We find time and time again, and this goes back to Orlando's work. So when you look at what he talks about in the left and the right hand brain, characters that have got agency they've got you know maybe they've got distinctive accents they they have a relationship with each other there's you know there's some humor there's this you know think about a drama or a film you really are engaged by the characters now in, in an advert even though it's fairly short you want characters that you want to be liked you want to feel something for rather than having lots of fast cut scenes where the characters are just close up you've got bits of the body you've got kind of you know camera staring at face the, the kind of you know staring down the barrel of the camera which is so often the case these days what you want is you want an unfolding scene characters with agency interacting with each other there's a drama orlando calls it character incident and place familiar place an incident happens and the characters are involved think about that as the construct for successful ads so characterization is incredibly important the fourth thing which i always advise everyone to do is soundtrack now soundtrack is perhaps the hidden hack that's least used by advertisers. I remember when I used to make advertising, you know, we'd spend sometimes millions on the production and, you know, making a fantastic ad and the soundtrack will be the last thing we do. We've often run out of money and we end up with stock soundtrack. That's not what you should do based on the system one research, because we find that the soundtrack can add as much as two star to your performance. And just try this at home. Try watching an advert with the sound off and pay attention to how you feel. Because it's amazing the difference it makes. Just like a, imagine a film with the sound off at the at the peak moment where you know the, the 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 drama is coming to a crescendo, it just wouldn't feel the same. It's exactly the same in advertising. The soundtrack not only delivers the peak, but it also changes the message. So the same ad with a different soundtrack, the audience can associate a completely different thing. We've tested, for example, a Werther's original ad where changing the soundtrack meant in one interpretation, people thought it was a dad and a daughter on a birthday date. In the other one, they thought it was a dad and a daughter, you know, who a dad was divorced from the mum and they were on a visitation day. It completely changed how people interpreted what they're seeing. Sound is so important. So sonic devices, you know, the choice of soundtrack, you know, it sometimes is worth paying for something that people feel familiar with and have associations with already, maybe a famous soundtrack or artist to bring the kind of emotion you want. But matching the emotion of your soundtrack to the emotion of your message is key. So it, pay a lot of attention to it and experiment as well, because you can you know, deliver great things with the right soundtrack.
Now, fifth and final thing, and I wanted to say this because Orlando wouldn't forgive me unless I did this one, but the fifth important thing is fluent devices. Now, as I was talking about earlier, think about the meerkats here. Brilliant example of a fluent device that's been created or not just a character, it might be a, a phrase. So Specsavers, for example, should have gone to Specsavers is a brilliant example of a fluent scenario. It's a scenario that pops up time and time again to the extent that now we, we recognize it instantly when we see it, like the, the wonderful Euros campaign that Specsavers did just recently for the women's Euros you know, win it was absolutely brilliant. So once you've got a fluent device, you can use it time and time again. Uh, let me give you one more example, actually, Churchill the dog. So we've did a test on Churchill, the, Churchill's new campaign from a couple of years ago called Chill. So you see it's like Churchill's now on a skateboard. There's another one where he's kind of going down a, a slide as well. But anyway, the, the skateboard one was the first one. What's fascinating about it is as soon as people saw Churchill the dog, they knew exactly what the advertiser was. But not only that, they also had a very positive emotion. They felt good. They felt surprise, they felt humor, they felt warmth towards the character. And this is what fluent devices can do because they can deliver a lot of emotion in one go. They also immediately put the brand in your mind without having to say what the brand is. Now, here's the amazing thing. The five second Churchill ad performed just as well as the 30 second ad. And I've never seen that before. But what it is is because in five seconds, Churchill on the dog with the music, the word chill, got across a 30 second ad in five seconds. So the score, in fact, it was a five star ad, was five star for the five second, five star for the 30. And that's incredible, because imagine the media you can save by having a five second ad rather than a 30. Now, here's the sad thing. Over the last 10, 15 years, I think I'm right in saying 15 years or so ago, 40% of award-winning campaigns had a fluent device of some kind, recognizable character, scenario, strap line, and so on. Now that's only 15%. It seems that fluent devices have really you know, gone out of fashion, which is tragic really, because they're one of the most powerful you know, assets you've got in your disposal. And the, the brilliant thing is they get better and better and better. Think about Audi and their Christmas campaign with Kevin the Carrot. The Audi score going back five years, something like 3.8 star. It went up over a, a three year period to 5.8 star. Now the creative did change. The guys at McCann did an absolutely brilliant job of evolving that campaign you know not, not not radically but just bringing a fresh story every year some you know culturally relevant jokes of production values are just fantastic but what also worked about it was that kevin as a character became familiar we started to recognize kevin more and more and therefore you know our association with that campaign just got better and better it's the old adage that you know familiarity breeds contentment and that's so so true another good proof point just going back to christmas actually is the christmas coat christmas holidays are coming ad. that ad has run for 20 years and you know what it still scores five star it is the most efficient campaign coke run in the world it's incredible but the power of it is the jingle the visuals the emotion the the truck everything about it the, the lights the you know the scene the, the you know the smile on the face of the kids that signifies Christmas and it signifies Coke. And they've done that because they've invested in the same fluent device for 20 long years. Now that's the power now with CMOs changing jobs every 18 months and brand teams getting upheaved. And you know, every brand manager wants to make a new ad. The best new ad you can make is probably an old ad. In fact, it's something I did when I was um, leading the team at Ribena, as I said, well, you can make any ad you want 
as long as it beats the ad from last year. Unfortunately for the team, <laughs> last year's ad was a 5.6 star, so it's a pretty high bar, but you get what I'm saying. One of the mistakes we make as marketers is we don't look back at what's worked in the past because there's so much to learn from what's worked in the past and you've got all those latent fluent devices you've got all that awareness to work with you've got the nostalgia you know you don't, you don't have to be out of date when you you know rerun campaigns or refresh campaigns but you've got all those assets to work with they're so much easier to work with that and build on it than it is to create something new from scratch and that's what every marketing department seems to get wrong so my top tip there use your fluent devices that work so what does all this mean for award-winning work? Well, if you followed me, followed uh, what I put out on LinkedIn, you might have seen a, a few sort of discussions about can lines. And, and so what's really interesting about this is that as an industry, we seem to be focused more and more on short term over long term. What we're seeing in the system, one test having tested can lines going back over 10 years is that actually can lines used to outperform system one database significantly. So, you know, average probably about three, three and a half star for award winners. Now the average is down below, down at around two. What we, so basically what we've seen is that the priority of judges, the priority of the industry has become more and more short term using more negative emotion rather than positive emotion. So it really does show that the importance of focusing on your actual audience. So spend time thinking about who actually buys your brand and test your ad with them. So it's always risky to pay too much attention to what the industry is talking about and celebrating as opposed to the people that matter are the people that buy. And that basically is the plug for system one. What we do is we test advertising with the people that buy your brand. And we do that quickly in 24 hours. And we do it in a way that predicts how they actually behave and because correlation is very strong. And we do it in a way that also makes it very obvious how you can improve it. So test your ad pro report, for example. And if you want, if you want an example, drop me a line and let me know. I'll send you one or, or do a test for you for free. So you can see it can be done in as little as three hours. And it will tell you everything you know to improve your ad which emotion or the reason for the emotion the key associations whether you're driving left or right brain features in your advertising all of those things can be delivered to help you to make your ad better so anyway that is my quick summary of i suppose why i ended up working for system one why i believe emotion is the best predictor of behavior and why actually by using a test like system one there are other, other tests out there i happen to believe system one is the best one obviously that's what i'm paid to paid to make sure it is the best one it's my job um but that's why it's important to test advertising because it allows you to make good decisions it's not necessarily about proving which creative is better although it does do that but it's often about bringing everybody alongside so whether it's signing off the money whether it's getting agreement between you and your agency about the right route or sometimes from an agency point of view we often test advertising to help them win a pitch or help them sell in an idea to you know we often talk about being brave in marketing don't we well actually the good thing about testing is you can be really bold because actually what the testing will do is show you what your audience think of the ad and really it's not being brave it's just being sensitive. It's just doing the right thing, because actually being brave would be would be doing a, a rubbish ad and putting it out. That'd be the brave thing to do. Instead, you want to be bold and do something that's going to really shift the shift the dial. And you can do that by testing. Anyway, so wasn't intending it to be too much promotional pitch, but if you want to know how to make a five star ad, 
they are the five tips and if you want to test it out in reality obviously give me a call i did set out actually when i started the podcast to not to do this i said i want it to be all about the value i can create for for everybody listening but genuinely i do passionately actually believe in system one and what we do and i do genuinely think it it adds huge value in helping you decide how much of your spend is going to be effective and how to make that spend work even better so there you go that's it how to make a five-star ad all the secrets laid bare so ladies and gentlemen there you have it a special edition of the uncensored cmo me interviewing myself about what makes a five-star ad anyway if you'd like to find out more about uncensored cmo please do subscribe it's very easy to subscribe and you never ever have to miss an episode again uh, you can do that on apple podcast you can do that on spotify and do amazon music uh, wherever you find your podcast you will find me if you want to follow me on linkedin i'm at john evans john without an h-j-o-n and i'm over at twitter on at uncensored cmo it's great to have you with me thank you so much for listening and i look forward to you joining me next time thanks again <laughs>